This right here is On the Matter of Systems, a tabletop role-playing show where every month your hosts will critically engage with some RPG theory and some RPG design. You're listening to me. I'm your host. I'm your host, B. That's like, a, you know, the things that bring us, that bring nature honey. Um, and with me today, as always, for this, uh, for this theory episode that I'm driving, is my dear, dear friend, my lovely co-host, BW. Hello, BW. Hello, B. I am Lovely BW, is what they call me, <laughs> and I'm here to talk about RPGs. Theory in specific. Um, although we were talking about before, and theory might not be the best way of contextualizing this article. But hey, you ask, what's the article? Because I guess you didn't look at the the title of this episode, uh, theoretical listener. Um, rude. Rude, <laughs> listener. Honestly, rude. Like, just read the title of the podcast. Come on. But even if you didn't, we are going to be talking today about On Being an RPG Reader by Seamus Connealy. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name. It is a blog post from the Cannibal Halfling Gaming blog, a blog run, I think, primarily by Seamus and Aaron Marks. Um, the two of them seem to be the, the two primary writers of the blog. I don't think I've seen anyone else on there. On Being an RPG Reader is an article in a sort of series of articles. It's actually the middle one. Um, it started with a post from Aaron um, called uh, On Being an RPG Collector, uh, which was actually sort of spun off of a discussion of the week that they have. They they do a thing they call Weekend Update. Uh, every weekend they talk about what's the top sellers on, RPG, on a drive-thru RPG, some news stories, and some things that have been happening usually on Twitter or Reddit. That, uh, wait a second. I guess the uh, Collecting RPGs article was before the Reddit thread that they linked in the discussions of the week for April 16th, 2022. Um, I was going to say this year, but by the time this releases, that will be last year, I'm pretty sure. We may be on the year anniversary (laughs) of this post by the time this episode goes up, given the way we have been uh, recording but not releasing. Um, Anyway... All that aside, Aaron wrote a thing on uh, on collecting role-playing games. Seamus followed it up with this article that we're talking about, about reading role-playing games. And then uh, in September, Aaron wrote another sort of associated article called The Trouble with RPG Prices, where he goes into the microeconomics of uh, role-playing game cost um, stuff. And we're not going to really be talking about that, but it also exists, so I wanted to mention it. All that said, here's historical context as I understand it. Not very much. Um, they Cannibal Hapling Gaming appears to be an offshoot or um, a spin-off of a site called the Mad Adventurers Society, which was a large group blog that seems to have ended in 2016. Uh, I dove into it a little bit. I couldn't really tell. It seemed like there were a lot of folks just sort of sharing a blog and writing about role-playing game stuff. Aaron and Seamus seem to have been two of them. They made Cannibal Halfling Gaming as well, and they've been running it pretty consistently since. Um, I quite like Cannibal Halfling Gaming overall. I've, I've been enjoying it as a, a thing in my Feedly that I check every once in a while. Um, the big thing that came from the Mad Adventure Society that I was able to find is a podcast called GM Word of the Week um, that seems to be have been sort of the main people from uh, Mad Adventure Society. It's a neat podcast. Um, I listened to like a handful of episodes a couple months back. Uh, it's literally just like they choose a word and do historical context on it or like research on it and talk about it. It's not like 
specifically talking about anything that might be in, an, in a role-playing game. It's just like, here's whatever uh, word that is like of Cassock very derivation and here's the history behind it and it's sort of pitched as a way to like give your flavor text more flavor um it seems cool yeah um, this is this is cool they're, they're like yeah their tagline is put more flavor in your flavor text yeah i read that tagline like two months ago and i hadn't read it since so i'm glad i got it close yeah <laughs> um uh i did also mention i think at the end of the last episode that it's cool that there's like this whole OSR scene that has blogs that seem to be able to give, um, you know, some pocket money to the people writing them. And then I actually looked up their Patreon and they're making $21 a month as of this recording. So uh, that's not exactly pocket money for two people writing a blog that has at least two or three things in it a week. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's that's the historical context as I understand it. So BW... We got another one of these, huh? I did. I did it again, didn't I? Yeah. So, so I like that in our, in our like uh, sort of generic outlines that we used as like a starting point for each episode. We have these theory episodes one, and it says BW broad argument, and we just keep reading things that have no arguments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can do I could do a high level summary uh, pretty pretty quickly. I think I would love um, that. That would be great if you wouldn't yeah. mind. Yeah, so um, like you said, right? So the 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 basic concept uh, in on being an RPG reader is uh, that there's there's this idea that uh, to be involved in the tabletop RPG sort of hobby, the assumption would be that you, primarily you're a player, and there was this idea thrown around that actually like collecting versus playing versus reading are all kind of like different parts of the hobby, um, and so the uh, the one on collecting was specifically sort of talking through and like positing some ideas about collecting and on being an RPG reader is doing the same thing, but the reader part of that framework. So uh, the blog post basically lays out that reading RPGs is just as much part of the hobby as either of the other ones, collecting or playing. Um, and then kind of lays out three sort of broad motivations for why folks might read RPGs. So the the three broad things are uh, learning, so you could read to learn how to play a game. Research, so you read an, a tabletop RPG for maybe you're designing your own system or you have a campaign and you want to pull things from other games. Uh, and then the third is reading for enjoyment. There's not really, like we said, there's not really an argument here, right? There are some claims made sort of throughout the on being a reader and the collecting one about how these things work. But to the point you brought up earlier, I think viewing these as like capital T theory write-ups does them a disservice, right? Because I think what they very much are, are two people who care a lot about tabletop RPGs thinking through what are the other ways that people would interact and what sort of what might those look like and sort of coming up with language to use to start having those conversations. So, yeah, I think that's sort of my my sort of overall summary. Um, I could just start talking about them if you want. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess. I, yeah, I just and to like sort of reinforce that point. Um, I think. I think my sort of high level takeaway from this was like this is a really well this is a really good blog post like it's not a it's not, it's not great theory um and and we'll probably touch on some some of the ways that that 
comes up throughout the text as we as we dig in a little bit more. But like as a sort of engaged public voice, I think this is a really interesting thing that let that let me think through reading RPGs in a way that I hadn't before and made me maybe even more importantly, immediately want to respond to it, um, which is, I think, uh, a very useful quality to have in a blog post, um, which is just a diff- it's just a different format, right? Than yeah. Um, than a lot of this, like the stuff we've read, but yeah. Um, what's, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's scratching your brain on this one at the moment? Yeah. I mean, I, well, I just wanted to say, I, I just want to agree with the thing you said there, uh, again, explicitly, which is like, I, I do really think that both the reading and the collecting one, like I walked away from both of them being like, okay, I have, I have like some broad disagreements with some of the framing or some of the specific language used, but I'm really glad that these two posts exist. Like, I'm really glad that Aaron and Seamus have actually like done the thinking and like given, given us something that is, can be sort of productive and generative. Um, so overall I, I was very happy with them. Um, in terms of them existing and i'm happy that um i mean also it's just worth saying i also really like cannibal halfling gaming i've let i've read much less of it i think than you have but i think they're doing i think they're doing good work um and also i just like blogs i miss blogs so um but yeah i I mean i think one of the one of the first things just to maybe like bring up and we can kind of talk through it and then kind of move on because i don't know that there's a ton to say but uh, on being an RPG reader starts with sort of a preamble, right? But then gets pretty immediately to a section uh, called On the Importance of Design and Layout. And it's, I don't know, four four paragraphs, three paragraphs, something like that, that starts it off. And I'm just going to read the first like l- sentence, which is, let's stay zoomed out for a moment, though, and talk about an important aspect of reading, readability. Uh-huh. And then it goes through and, and, you know, gives some examples, talks about some specific game books that they've read, but basically are saying, listen, layout really matters, readability matters, and especially for somebody who's going to be primarily reading the RPGs, it really is important that you put time into sort of layout and design, um, Mm -hmm. which I agree with. I think layout and design is really important. I think it's very Mm -hmm. interesting that um, he chose the word readability and not like accessibility yes um, it is i agree with you yeah because like uh readability and like i don't i'm i'm about to say a thing and i'm not like i'm not saying i understand seamus's sort of reasons for do- picking the word readability right but like one of the things that immediately struck me was readability really does often have a lot more to do with like the smoothness of the reading experience as opposed to is this information set up in a way that is actually accessible to lots of different people right Mm -hmm. um and so I, i ended up feeling like i agree that layout and design are incredibly important i don't know that i agree that they're important just because you want to make sure that the people reading your book like have a good time or like have a smooth time i think that there's like there's there's quite a lot more to to be concerned about and it it felt odd to avoid actually talking about accessibility and instead mostly have it be that you need to have a book that looks nice um so can we can we drill down on this a little bit and talk about this differentiation differentiation we're making um just to be absolutely clear like when you're saying accessibility, 
I'm thinking of things like um, the ability, if it's a PDF, to be read by a screen reader, mm-hmm. um, the use of color um, to avoid sort of like colorblind um, uh, issues with like colored text on certain kinds of backgrounds, um, pretend, prob- hopefully even things like using a uh, like... A, I don't I don't remember the exact term for this, but there are specific fonts that are designed with um, people with dyslexia's needs in mind. Yeah. Um, sort of famously, Comic Sans is allegedly one of these, but like accessibility being things like that specifically allow for people who have access needs. Correct. To to read them as opposed to readability, which is to say, like you said. Uh, a smooth experience going from beginning to end or picking up at, at, at any certain place and and continuing from there. And, and I, 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 this is not my area of expertise at all, um, but I, I do often think, for instance, of readability as assuming a kind of uh, broadly normative level of ability. Yes. Which accessibility is explicitly not do, doing, right? It, it, yes. it is, in fact, about... Uh, yeah, so uh, it's about uh, equity, um, and I, I just, yeah, I, it felt, it just felt like a big hole and like a an odd hole in the post to, like, start off with this. I mean, at at, at places he's pretty forceful in his language, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm looking for what is it? Uh, it doesn't have to be art in its own right, although that is certainly something that can be aspired to. It just needs to work. For companies, you've got no excuse. For indies, at least don't skimp. Um, like, right. there's this very clear, like, call to action kind of language here. Um, and I just, I maybe wish it had been used uh, for sort of accessibility and equity as opposed to um, the way it's framed here. Yeah, I, I think I'm like completely with you on that. Um, I think I, I also, yeah, also reading it was like the 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 point that you're making is is not a bad point, but it is uh, an incomplete one. <laughs> I think yeah. is maybe the way that uh, I sort of got framed in my head at least. Um, I think and yeah, like yeah. I think that's Go a good. I, I was just gonna say I think that's a great a great way to put it um, for sure. But yeah, we also don't have the answers here, and um, I don't know. Do you want? Shall we? Shall we talk about learning? Learning games. Well, yeah, I was. I was going to kind of talk. Maybe just ask the general question of you, right? Which is like, how did you feel about the this tripartite breakdown of learning versus research versus enjoyment? Um, Like, how did you feel about these three categories broadly in terms of like a set of categories for explaining reading RPGs? Um, so my immediate reaction, of course, was, uh, well, not my immediate reaction. We, I read this before we started the podcast, but when I was thinking about using this for the podcast, my immediate reaction was, this is funny. Um, BW, my dear, dear friend, BW. It's me. Co-host of this podcast. I do that. Uh, is absolutely the enjoyment reader that that is a thing we have explicitly talked about multiple times you're interested in these books um primarily as ways of enjoying uh finding out a system and thinking about thinking through it mm-hmm. um i on the other hand am pretty explicitly a learning sort of 
person with a with a heavy research component, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's like a there's a good split between the two of us. I want to say I'm an enjoyment reader, but like I don't read enough RPG books as such to n- feel co- totally comfortable claiming that. The thing is, though, when it came down to it, at the end of it, I think the learning and the research points are fine. Um, I think the arguments made within them or the the um, trends identified within them are pretty fine. <laughs> and I think the enjoyment part was the most interesting and um, and least fleshed out thing. And so a lot of my post-reading thought has been focused on that enjoyment stuff. Sort of more toward your specific question, um, I don't think... <laughs> I think the tripartite structure is there because it it is makes it easier to read and write than it is that these are um in any sense like objective truths or even super useful taxonomical resources. I say that with a question mark at the end because I'm talking to a professional taxonomist. Not anymore, but I <laughs> did used to do that. Um yeah, I mean I I had a lot of issues with the framing for sure. I I think that the three these three large buckets, right, of like motives, I think are like generally pretty useful. I I have some quibbles about the names because I care about names, but like I do think that like learning versus research versus enjoyment are like interesting sort of ways of viewing how somebody might approach reading an RPG book. Sure. But I just, like, for me, for instance, I also, like, I, I struggle with what the exact distinction is between learning and research. I, I also struggle a little bit with, for instance, I, I I would agree, I am an enjoyment reader. I'm also a research reader. I'm not researching to, like, take it into my own design system or take it in, into a campaign. But, like, it's not like I just read a book and then I'm like, okay, wow. Great story. Love, of, love that Blades flavor text. Dark was fun. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then I set it down and I go read, I don't know, something else, right? Like 10 Candles and be like, okay, brand new RPG. I've never read a game before. <laughs> like I am, all, I, I am of course, right? Like I'm, I'm reading Aegon and I'm looking at how it uses a dice pool. And I'm thinking back to the last season of, uh, um, a friends at the table and like how heart used dice pools, right? Like I'm constantly thinking about those things and I'm also learning how to play the game. I just don't ever want to play it. <laughs> Which uh, yeah. I, I say all of this to say like, I actually do think like taxonomically there's some, I think there's like some interesting value in thinking about these as specific lenses or like motives, right? For why people might read. Um, the the problem I have with this is that uh, the lines seem to be very. They want to draw very clear lines between learning, research, and enjoyment, but I just I just don't know what that line actually is. <laughs> yeah, they or Seamus seems to specifically, yeah, attempt to draw bright lines and then repeatedly go. Ah! <laughs> there, I now there's a little bit of overlap here, isn't there? Which uh, seems to defeat the purpose of drawing bright lines, in my mind, at least. Um, it, it, yeah, and and I think, I mean, this is to your earlier point, right? Like, uh, I think that part of this is, 
it is it is often difficult for me to read a thing like this and remind myself that this is a blog post, right? Like this <clears> isn't <throat> this isn't something published in a peer reviewed like you know, like this is just this is a person yeah. sharing some thoughts. Um yeah. inside of a community to absolutely. be specific about it. Yeah. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. but I definitely came away from from this feeling similarly, which was like for the most part, I think some of the stuff said in learning and research, I'm like mostly on board on board with but like we get to the enjoyment and i was like yeah let's dig in and then i was like oh this is two paragraphs okay and and essentially the only thing said about enjoyment was that it the the claim was made that it's like the the purest expression of the reading version of tabletop rpgs as a hobby it's it does and i don't it does I, say that i don't even know that i fully understand ex- exactly what that purity is um or like is doing <laughs> um in the text if that makes sense um i think it's i mean i think it's doing the meta move right of saying that this is the that we have we are also underneath this higher tripartite structure that they have yeah. established of playing reading and collecting and enjoyment reading is the one that's farthest away from playing and collecting. Yeah, I get that. That's true, and that makes sense. I think that makes sense if you if you are are going to buy into the structure, which I maybe just am not going to ever do. Um, meaning, yeah. th- this is a Venn diagram. The importance of Venn diagrams being that you have discrete sets that you are showing an overlap of. I I think what what has been done here and on being an RPG reader is actually pretty useful, which is again, here's like three motives of like how one might approach being an RPG reader. And that just seems broadly useful to think about. Yeah. Right. Um, Yes. Even in terms of just the language of like, I could, I could see it possibly being interesting to go, Oh, well, huh. Was this, was this written for a reader uh, like a sort of a an enjoyment reader, or was this written for researchers, or how do they take learning into account? Um, I think those could be possibly be interesting questions moving forward. Yeah, no, that's um, actually that's a really good point, and I hadn't really thought of it before, so I want to just run over you for a second. Yeah, no, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that is the thing that doing this sort of tripartite model is actually very useful for, right? Is is sort of naming a, a, a theoretical lens through which one can going forward, uh, appraise games by, right? Um, because that's part of the, the the joy here, right? Is that, like, being like, oh, my default assumption, and I think most people's default assumption, based on how games exist, and role-playing games especially, exist in the world, is that they are all written with play primarily in mind. And... While this doesn't do the rigorous theoretical work to, like, say, uh, provide a, a very strong framework under which to read things as as though they were written primarily for an RPG reader, it, it does point in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I think that, again, I, I think there's some... There's some like lines in both the reader and collector posts wh- where I'm like, mm, I don't know that you needed to go that far. 
Um, sure. Right. Which I say just because like, uh, th- that I think was the thing that I struggled with most, which was like, I-, I broadly was like, Oh, this is really interesting. And then it, it was like, Oh, 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 this is where you're taking that. Oh, okay. Huh. <laughs> Odd. Um, yeah. And I don't think we need to get into like all of the details or whatever. Right. But like, um, I, I do think that, for instance, there's a claim in the learning section specifically about readability, right? Where readability for play versus learning uh, are very, very different, is, yeah. is the claim made, right? Where uh, l- learning requires things like index, good table of contents, etc. Um, and I just I like I just fundamentally disagree, for instance, that having an index and a good table of contents and making sure that your book is laid out well is specific to learning. I mean, I, I, even as an enjoyment person, right? Like I, I'm I'm always going to appreciate being able to find a thing again. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so again, it just saying, uh, like, but no, that's because you're actually a researcher, like you're a secret researcher. Uh, well, and this is, <laughs> this is where, right. Like, you know, y- you used our snarky voice that we both uh-huh. use at times. Uh, and so I might as well just bring up Mr. Good old Mr. Ron Edwards. Um, cause I, I liked these, I, I liked these posts a lot more than I like system does matter. I just want to make that very clear. I think cannibal halfling games are great. I think Seamus and Aaron did a great job, but I did constantly have the feeling of like, Oh, this is a really interesting like tool or idea or like viewpoint. And then it was like, Oh, Oh, but now you've used this in a strong claim. Okay. Weird. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, I've read, I've read both of these posts multiple times um, because I do think they're just interesting to sort of think alongside for sure. And like you said, it made me want to like reply and actually clarify like, oh, okay, what is, if I am primarily an enjoyment reader, why am I frustrated with this? Like what more do I wish he would have said, right? Um, Which is cool. Like, I think that's really good. Again, I use this word multiple times, but like productive and generative, I think that's really important work to do in thinking. Um, cool. I absolutely agree. Um, I to go back to an earlier point you made um, <laughs> about like the especially the lines between learning and researching being uh, significantly blurrier than mm-hmm. um, you might have liked. Uh, that's I, I'm like a hundred percent in the same boat as you there. Um, and it's funny to me that, that we came to that same conclusion, despite the fact that, like, ostensibly, that is, like, sort of the line we draw. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, uh-huh. I am I am the learner researcher, you are the enjoymenter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we both, even coming at it from what in, in their, sort of this framework, at least, are um, sort of opposing, if not, uh, not, maybe not opposing, but, like, uh, strongly differentiated perspectives end up in the same place of being like, I don't know that you can read a game to learn it without also doing the things that they are claiming that is for research. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, th- so there's like a claim, but I think like very, it's like in like the first paragraph of the research section, which is, is explicitly saying that there is an important distinction between learning to play a game and researching. And I just, I just am not sure why, because I know effectively for me, 
if I am trying to imagine myself reading something for research versus reading something for how to play, I'm going to be doing primarily the same things, which is reading things, maybe taking notes, right? Like going back and forth and referencing stuff. The, the act of reading to me actually feels pretty similar for, for both of those. Uh, it's more about what you then take away and what you do afterwards, as opposed to the actual act this is of the reading thing. being different. Yes, this is exactly the thing. Yes. Um, because the difference between l- learning and research, I think, in th- not to uh, not to project or anything like that, because I also just back up here to say, like, it might very well be that what Seamus is saying is that research is a thing where you don't just read the book. You just go, I have an idea and I know it's in this other book. And so I go to that book and like specifically just read that mechanic or that yeah. set of mechanics like it, that could be the distinction but in terms of thinking of being an rpg reader as the title says <laughs> not um acting as an rpg reader or uh reading rpgs but being an rpg reader um the distinction between learning and research is a distinction between playing being a, is being is the is a distinction you would make in the actual play of the thing rather than the reading of the thing at least as far as i can tell yeah i i would agree with that i would even say i think the enjoyment you could describe it in similar ways right except that the enjoyer is a vacancy like it's an absence um yeah it's pure exactly, exactly. <laughs> god lo- i love to be i love to be pure um my dear, lovely, wonderful co-host and purest person I know. <laughs> True. Um, I, uh, purity is a fascist thing. <laughs> yeah, no, puri- purity is bad. Um, I, I don't. I, I think this is probably a fine place to just throw this in quickly, which is, um, I really did like. Uh, this was small, but I really did like. Uh, at the end of the research section. Seamus just puts a thing in here that's like, hey, like, you know, every, everybody does this. There, there's, a, there's a claim about how research is the, yep. is the, the, <laughs> the widest spread one, which I don't, I don't know if I agree with. But regardless, I, I'm just going to read because I, I think it's, I just think these are like good questions. Like genuinely, I think they're really good questions to keep in mind. So I'm quoting, when reading for research, you need to be keeping the two questions mentioned above in mind. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah, no. And if there's going to be any hacking or adapting involved, you need to add more. How will using this material change the existing game? And if I'm going to be making changes, is there anything I'll lose in the process that I care about? I uh, The previous two questions, just for completeness sakes, are what kind of experiences do I want the playgroup to be having? And what do I need to enable those des- desired experiences? But I think uh, I really liked the way, just the way this was stated. It's like really straightforward, but I just thought it was really like concise and good, right? Which is... Yeah. You're you're what you want to run a campaign. Oh, uh, you want to hack a system, and you like find a thing in another book that's really cool. I think these are two really solid questions to ask yourself, right? Like, what would adding this in change, and would adding this in lose anything about what my table currently likes? Like, I just thought I was like, oh, those are yeah, that was really concisely stated. Those are really good questions, actually. You know what's interesting about that to me. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Because you're another person and you're we're unknowable to each other. So I don't. Um, I was just thinking this as we were chatting before the podcast started. 
that we weren't going to get our, our little segment. Because there's no strong claims about systems in this article. Yeah, there's still not. So no segment. This is kind of a s- claim that these are systems. I, I thought the whole point of it was the word system. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is, but uh, so we're still not quite getting the segment. What I will say, without being uh, as annoying as I could be, I'm already getting. I'm already doing plenty. I'm <laughs> I'm doing fine, sweetie. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everybody. <laughs> uh, these are important questions because because we are uh, treating games as a system, right? Um, if we were not, if we were just treating them as a a set of discrete mechanics, it would not matter how using this will change the existing game or if there will be any sort of losses, right? Because Mm -hmm. discrete mechanics you just slot together to make a game wouldn't have that problem. Um, Specifically sitting down to think like, I want to import clocks from blades into my 10 candles game. (laughs) Um, Hey, hey B don't do that. It seems wild, right? It wouldn't if we weren't thinking of this as a system, though, uh, is, is I guess the the sort of point I want to make. And also now I'm like, what the fuck would that look like? Um, um, I, uh, it would be a mess. Yeah, no, it it would be a huge (laughs) mess. I, I guess I, um, it is interesting to me that you said we are treating these like systems, not just like a series of sort of disconnected mechanics. Would we, would, would you ever treat that? I I guess the way you like, I'm trying to think of what the counter example or like what the opposite thing would look like. Um, (laughs) Right. Like you want my, you want my spicy answer? Sure. Dungeons and Dragons. Well, of course. Yeah, no, that is the answer. I mean, we've argued about this for lots of time. Um, uh-huh. Not on this podcast. But uh, uh-huh. but even then, right? Like, I, you, you know my feelings on Dungeons and Dragons. But, like, D- Dungeons and Dragons... I don't know that I would, I would probably still claim that Dungeons and Dragons is a system. <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a game system that is made up of a bunch of mechanics. I would argue that it's probably not a great system because of the way that it has its mechanics interact or not interact. But, um, but like, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like what, like you're saying these questions only matter if, if you are looking at the mechanics in a system, but I guess I'm unclear of what the, like what the other alternative would be. I mean, I will say I have absolutely run games of Dungeons and Dragons that were just a bundle of mechanics um, that I chose basically at random when I was playing third edition in like, God, 2008, maybe. Um, Like, there was no sense that they were working together to, to produce anything other than what the specific dice rolls produced. It was literally just here is a bundle of the mechanics I'm interested in. <laughs> um, they do not work together in any real way. Th- there is the stuff where we do the fight. There is the stuff where we do the um, uh, player conflict. And there is the stuff that I made up and that has nothing to do with any of the rest of it. Uh, I'm not saying it was a, it was a good campaign. Uh, those campaigns were quite bad. Um, 
And I, I'm not saying that D&D as such is not a system. But like I said, one of the ways of interpreting this research argument is specifically saying, like, you know, uh, I've heard that this system has this thing. Let me go read up on that particular mechanic to see if I can't steal it. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, this is why Seamus says explicitly, like, the, the, you need to... You need to be keeping the two questions mentioned above in mind, and if there's going to be any hacking or adapting, et cetera, et cetera. You don't give an imperative for something that somebody's naturally going to do, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess I would uh, probably quibble a little bit specifically about saying that the way you played Dungeons & Dragons then was not a system. I think I would argue it's actually just a bad system. Sure. <laughs> or like an uninteresting one, right? But I feel like once you have multiple mechanics that you're working, like that you are using together, even if they're not interacting, like for me personally, I would just be like, oh, that's like a pretty uninteresting system, right? Because I'm mostly interested okay. in systems that are like pretty opinionated um, and yeah. like have sort of a point of view. So I might just disagree kind of with with that ontologically yeah like exactly (laughs) like genuinely ontologically yeah um that's actually the correct word to use here um yeah Um, yeah that's that's fair and that's something we can probably continue exploring and we're not going to probably answer immediately um it might be i might it might be the case that i actually agree with you as well and i just um don't quite know it yet (laughs) but on some level to me it it does seem viable that you could have a bundle of syst- or a bundle of mechanics that do not um, cohere into a system, even a bad system. Um, yeah, and like I said, okay. D&D was my spicy take. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's interesting. I-, I would have to think a lot more, I think, about whether... Yeah. Wh- where I stand on... I mean, this is the this is the question that you've been pushing since the beginning, right? Which is like, what do I even fucking mean by system? And mm-hmm. the, my answer is, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> kind like, of same, yeah. Yeah, like currently, it's kind of this like useful shorthand for something that sort of you you kind of get it, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you you continually pushing on it has actually made me start to think about this a little more, right? Which is like. I'd never articulated the thing that I said about D&D, right? Uh, I just hadn't mm-hmm. done that before. But I do agree with the thing I said, which is I would probably argue it's a bad or uninteresting system as opposed to mm-hmm. a more interesting system. But I don't know. That's worth thinking more about. Listeners, I will get us a goddamn definition. Yeah. <laughs> never. I refuse. I am... Uh, here, let me see if I can find this. Let's see if I can find it. I probably won't be able to. And this is going to have to get cut out. <laughs> Um, also, the running joke that I'm a deconstructionist uh, looking for a definition is very funny to me. <laughs> uh, words are defined by the absence of meaning, um, as uh, Saussure um, helped us to understand. Uh, here, I'm going to quote from a book I'm reading. For my purposes in this book, I understand both video games and science fiction not as immutable categories with hard boundaries, but instead as words that are defined by their use. I am not interested in creating definitions in this book. <laughs> I read that, that this is from Cameron Kunzelman's recent book, The World is Born from Zero, which I'm only in the first chapter of, but it's great so far. We got our first range touch reference of the day. <laughs> um, 
But the, <laughs> the the way that that is so forcefully stated really just like made my heart sing of like, I'm just sort of uninterested in finding definitions and like arguing about definitions of things. What I'm very interested in is having concepts that we can grasp at some level that are then useful and productive to do something with. Um, so on this, uh, you and I are in fundamental agreement. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that's a that's a great question that uh, at first I thought was a little snarky, but now I'm genuinely just wondering <laughs> what I think a system is. So this is great. Thanks. I got the segment in. I got the segment in. Mm-hmm. Um, the segment speaking in. of uh, speaking of strong claims, uh, skip over enjoyment to the the subsection for a second. Um, uh, that the, the one the Cameron claim strong. Uh, and in agreement with this claim uh, from Seamus, there's not much to say on these. Fiction novels are, after all, written primarily to be enjoyed. That's a strong claim, my friend. It is. So, so this it's is an incorrect phrase. <laughs> <laughs> so, to give a little a little bit of context, this is so uh, in on being an RPG reader, right? We talk through the three sections. So, we talk through learning, we talk through research, we talk through enjoyment, and then there's this sort of fourth section, which is called more traditional reading. And it's specifically Seamus is being like, what about sort of, you know, standalone works of fiction set in a tabletop thing, right? So like setting books or stuff like that. The old Drizzt books, for instance. We love the Drizzt books. Um, But yeah, I I thought this was just like a a generally kind of slightly confusing thing. Um, It didn't, it would have never occurred to me to include like settings books in this. Um, just because they feel so fundamentally different to me in terms of what they're trying to do as books. But uh, but yeah, it then led to this statement, which is fi- uh, fiction. I, I think, yes. Yeah. Um, I will say there, uh, this to me, this section feels to me like the most like, I also have this thought and I really don't know what to do with it. And I'm about to hit publish on this blog post. So fuck it. Let me write out these two paragraphs and let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's true. And, and there is a, a broader sense, right? Like there's another quote that I took down for a certain value. You're also learning more about what kind of stories and themes that the game world likes to focus on, which can be quite valuable in figuring out what you're actually supposed to do with the game, which I think is a, is a, is a, is a good, strong point. Yeah. Um, or maybe not a super strong claim, but like, yes, it, it it is useful to be like, oh, these are the kind of stories that um, at least the publisher thinks function well within the thing they have published, um, which is a good guideline, I think. Yeah. I, um, I catch me reading a Drizzt book literally never. I read the first like 40 pages of one and was like, yo, I, I can't do this. <laughs> um, uh, and I have a pretty voracious taste for fiction. Um but yeah, to go back to, to, to my original thing, um, th- that's a strong claim. And if you don't believe that's a strong claim, then you are working with a different uh, political economy than me. <laughs> uh, and that's not okay, because we all must be Marxists. <laughs> um, we all uh, must be Marxist deconstructionists. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we, whatever. You can, you can you can go do your Deleuzian thing or whatever. Oh, that's fine, too. Thanks. Not you specifically, BW. <laughs> um <laughs> It is simply not true. That is not how the world is set up and functions. Um, yeah. Fiction novels are not written primarily to be enjoyed. 
uh, they cannot be under the current mode of production. <laughs> that that is uh, that is not a primary a primary thing that is available to people under a capitalist system. Uh, fiction novels are primarily written to be pieces of in- entertainment commodity <laughs> uh, that fits into other structures of. Um, both of affect and and economy uh, in in a variety of different ways, and I don't just say this because my day job is as a bookseller. I say this because I'm a Marxist, <laughs> as established. <laughs> um, and um, and I, I bring this up to say, like we said at the top, this is not a capital T theory post. I'm not coming to this to be like, what, what is the, I don't need you to have, I don't need you to have my political economy in this. Um, it's just a weird thing that stands out because it is such a strong claim, at least from my framework, that like is in this weird, weird little side note that I was like, I, I couldn't get over it. It's a, it's a, a fit of peak thing, probably more than anything else. But also this is, you know, half of my half my podcast. So I'm gonna talk about fucking political economy every once in a while. <laughs> it's true. I, I I will say. I mean, I completely agree with the political economy sort of complaint about this. I also just think like I, I just don't know if setting aside political economy, if I think sure. this is true about fiction, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I I think there's the yeah. you could make a strong claim that it's catharsis. That are that is the primary yeah. uh, purpose of fiction. Um, one uh, was that was that Aristotle, I it, believe, it, said that. It was in fact Aristotle. <laughs> yes, he's obviously not talking about novels. Novels are a specific genre of, within fiction. He was talking about Greek tragedy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But so your yes. point doesn't stand at all. B actually, uh, uh-huh. it's impossible for a novel to be cathartic, as a matter of fact, because history. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think this this just goes to sort of the the general broader point th- that we've made a couple of times, um, which is I, I f- like at least for for one reader in particular, for me, BW, I, I I would have like really I think come away from both of the reader and the collector post um, much more excited if some of these like sort of very some of them are very strong claims um, kind of just get sort of thrown in here and there because again i think the most the, the the usefulness of these two posts are really in sort of the the general kind of framing and somebody spending the time to start thinking through how does this work and what are the different parts of this um yeah sorry you were going to say something uh, and i mean to me like i think the reason i i go on my little political economy rant and stuff like that is not to say like that this even turned me off necessarily because, you know, I spent, we both spent plenty of time in the blogging minds in different ways ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, long, long ago. <laughs> um, I mean, I technically and, started a blog earlier this year. I just only posted to it once. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, and I, mine still exists and I, I have posted to it within the last couple of years, but, um, on some level, like these strong claims to me, again, these are two people who are posting at least fifteen times a month with a Patreon take of twenty one dollars. Um, 
I, I don't know if they have ad stuff. I assume they have affiliate link stuff. That, that's obviously not a, f- or it's presumably not a full, like, um, rundown of their uh, uh, take for for doing this thing. But sometimes you're you're writing a blog post and you go, this is a strong claim that it, that occurs to me. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. And you put it in. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's also worth saying, like, I, I just really want to hammer home on the point of, like, you know, they're putting the work in <laughs> to Cannibal Halfling, yes. right? Like, yeah. they are putting the work in. They are thinking about this stuff. They are clearly in in this community. And so, like, that's just the, right, that's just kind of the thing floating around any of our complaints or our sort of issues are, like, again, I'm just really grateful that somebody's putting the work in and doing this because um, I didn't write this blog post. So a hundred percent. I'm happy, and, happy and it's there. Yeah, like I said, it's not it's not exactly a deep political economy, but like they do do that weekend update thing where every week they're just like, here's what is selling well on Drive Through RPG, which is wild. Like I yeah. just I never never a thing I would have thought to keep up with, and it hasn't it hasn't thus far ever made me go like, oh shit, what's going on there? But it's a really interesting just sort of like. You know, it's probably closer to like a stock ticker than it is to, uh, you know, a deep Marxist analysis. But like all of those pieces matter. Um, yeah. The the way that money is moving hands is deeply important. And and just seeing even the the, the tip of that iceberg in in the middle of a bunch of really interesting engaged articles is like it rules. It rules. <laughs> The Cannibal Happen Gaming is really cool, and I'm glad they're doing their thing. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm also going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and say too. I think the uh, in the collecting article in particular, I think is 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 where it is right where they they have the aside that's like, um, <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> no. So this is like the positive one. I, I'm trying to remember if it's here, but basically the the, the they're saying. The thing they are saying is like, listen, there's lots of different ways to participate in the in tabletop RPG, and like people who say if you don't play the games, you're not part of this community, like yes. have no place here. Uh, similarly, like if if you listen to actual play episodes and you like are paying attention to the systems they're running, and like this is part of your enjoyment, like you're also part of this. Um, I just like genu- genuinely really appreciate yeah. them saying that because. That's not a that's not a given, especially given oh, no. what we've talked about with like you know Ron Edwards and um, like that into- entire world of people being like if you haven't played seventeen campaigns, do you really understand RPGs? And it's like, well, maybe not in the way you do, but yes, I understand them in a different way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, um, yeah. Just as a as a as a matter of course, that is actually in the reader. That is the the third to last paragraph of the. Oh, it is. Um, okay, cool. Uh, the on being an RPG reader. Um, I'm just. I'll just say this very quickly. I promise. Um, just end my little fucking <laughs> political economy hour. There is a line in the like second to last paragraph of the collector uh, essay that says collecting is the capitalist manifestation of many hobbies, not just RPGs. Um, it's not. That's not. No. That's no. Capitalism is not when money changes hands. <laughs> Capitalism is the organization of a society. Um, by capital. Uh, hey, reader, did you know that B is a Marxist? Because <laughs> if you didn't before this moment, now you do. Yes. Welcome uh, to the matter of systems. I, I, I always appreciate it when, when the 
when people talk about capitalism. I think it's uh, I think it's an important thing to do. Uh, I even appreciate it when they do it incorrectly, but also this is very that's very incorrect. And and capitalism is not just when you when one spends currency for goods and services. This is my soapbox, and I am st- I'm stepping off. <laughs> it's a great soapbox. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so listener, I know we don't do uh, actual role-playing on this show, but I want to just paint a picture in your mind really quick. Um, that little soapbox that I got off, it's um, <laughs> it's just got uh, CMC and, M- uh, and MCM Prime written on it. Uh, if you know, you know. Anyway, um, w- <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sitting here shaking my head no silently. <laughs> That's that sounds right. Uh, so should we get to like the meat of our <laughs> what we like actually reacted to in this article? Sure. Um, yeah. So we kind of like talked around the enjoyment bit. Uh, like BW said earlier, it was it was a bit of a uh, shock to be like, ooh, I'm, I'm very curious about this. Uh, like, what is the enjoyment portion of this going to be? And then it's uh, it's it's two paragraphs <laughs> plus like a, the addendum about fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, BW, what was, what was your, did you find anything in that specific section like useful or did you have a similar thing to me that was just like, I would reorganize this entire essay around this and now I'm going to start writing that in my head. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. I don't know that. So we, we talked a bit before, um, the podcast, uh, about this. I, I don't know that I would. I did not come away feeling like, oh, I would orient this around enjoyment. Um, I actually came away feeling like if I was just looking at the list of learning research enjoyment, I would be like, oh, well, I should go in enjoyment. And then the more I read about the learning and the research, I was like, oh, this is just what all reading is. Um, and and the enjoyment doesn't didn't feel like a separate mode to me. Um, like... I I basically just similarly I would I would sort of explode the entire structure, but I think I would just I, I would essentially explode the structure away from uh, here are the three types of readers, and I would mostly want to talk about like specifically as modes of reading and not as distinct like personas or even like distinct sets of interests, but more like th- this is sort of these are the things one might be interested in if one was interested in learning how to play a game versus if one was interested in understanding parts of the game to excise versus if you just are reading through it. Um, Cause like, I, I just, anyway, I, I don't, I don't understand how reading through an entire RPG book for enjoyment does not in some way also mean that you are learning how the system runs. So th- that's where I came from. Yeah. So, so you're saying Okay, but just to clarify for my own self, you're saying um, maybe reorienting it around like what you can do while reading, rather than here are it, types yeah, of like readers. It, it really, Is that sort I mean, of what you're saying? to the thing we said earlier, right? Like it feels like what these three different, what these three buckets are, are different ways of acting on your reading. What do you do with the reading? And so I would probably lean into something like that is what I was thinking is more like, what are the different things one can do when one reads uh, an RPG book, setting aside the playing of the game in the book, right? What what are the ways of interacting with this object um, that are interesting? Um, and w- which is why I do think learning research and enjoyment are are suddenly now interesting to me as three like sort of different things one might kind of do with a book if that makes sense 
Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, I... And maybe this is partially just me thinking about you as a reader and the, and the conversations we've had um, that I've referenced earlier. But, like, a lot of this section is also very sort of focused on the extra mechanical aspects as as the parts where you get the most enjoyment. Um, like, uh, yeah, I never got to play a single session of the Iron Kingdoms RPG, but I love learning about the history of the world. Uh, Eclipse Phase's setting is fascinating. Um, most of the FFG Star Wars books have a bit of fiction to start them off. Um, so it seems like the enjoyment section, at least for Seamus here, is is about is not about engaging with the mechanics. Whereas I know you specifically really love reading I, mechanics. I, I do. I mean, I think this <laughs> is this is also you. You've hit on the the thing that made the more traditional reading section about fiction so confusing to me which is i'm just not as stated in the in this blog post i i'm not 100% sure that enjoyment as stated feels similar to learning and researching but i would have to think a lot more about expanding on that thought <laughs> if that makes sense um like it, it felt really distinct, <laughs> Absolutely. but not distinct in the in the way that I was like, oh, this is useful distinction, right? And I mean, so one of the things that that occurred to me, um, I haven't read it in a while, but like, Apocalypse World is probably a useful thing here, right? Um, and maybe that's maybe it's just because um, I was listening the. Um, uh, oh my god, what is the name of that show? Uh, shit. Uh, it's on the One Shot Podcast Network. It's uh, System Mastery. Probably the most similar to our show show that I have personally found. Um, they recently did an episode on the first edition of Apocalypse World and brought up the fact, a thing that I had sort of forgotten, that it's all written in a very specific voice. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, including like the literal mechanics. Um, and that was, a, that was a thing I was like, it's sort of like rolling around in my head where like this sort of enjoyment reading that Seamus seems to be primarily putting on things like setting or, you know, theoretically even like box text or, uh, um, you know, bits of fiction, stuff like that. Um, in apocalypse world is, is, intentionally exploded directly into the mechanics in a way that I kind of wish had been more directly dealt with here. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's yeah, that's interesting. I've read through parts of some version of apocalypse world, but um, that did not, that I didn't remember that. Um, Yeah. On system mastery, since they're primarily, I don't know, primarily whatever they are. They are much more of a comedy podcast than we are. Um, they kind of harp on it in, in the ways that, like, uh, it can sure. get in the way of understanding, yeah. which is a thing I do remember, <laughs> definitely. Um, like, reading through Apocalypse World before my first session, uh, which I think I have mentioned, like, as... I think I've played, like, three session ones of Apocalypse mm-hmm. World and, and nary a session two. Um, <laughs> or session zeros, I guess. Because there there is something, like, 
that can get in the way of just being like, what, what the fuck does this character do? I don't need this, like, snarky fucking Mad Max asshole, like, giving me uh, a bunch of lore about a thing when I'm like, am I, can I heal with this character or am I shooting <laughs> guns? I literally don't know. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I just to say like there's a there there are certain aspects of enjoyment here that i in my mind range from you know talking with ubw and also reading more story games and and i don't know if we said this explicitly but like cannibal halfling gaming is primarily an osr focused blog um so they they just move in a different space than maybe both of us are primarily engaged in where like I think we're both much more story games adjacent. I'm certainly a lot more like, I don't know if people are still using Sword Dream, although Sword Dream might have also technically been an offshoot of OSR, but like Lyric games are like a big thing that I end up reading a lot more than other things. Uh, And those are games that are explicitly often um, written to be unplayable. Um, So the point, they're literally games about enjoyment or... Um, producing different affects. Um, I was just thinking about this. I'm going to have to go to my own website to check a thing. Um, uh, 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 Where is the Island Demeter podcast feed? Uh, Oh, shit. No, that's the... I went to the admin page. Fuck. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Uh... There we go. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, um, there was a uh, a game we played in in the first season of Island Demeter called Erasure, um, uh, and it explicitly calls itself a social game of creeping horror and loss. Um, do, do, do the, it, it's fundamentally a game about uh, queer erasure, um, and we played it. And it was a very fun experience mm-hmm. that also got really dark, partially because it was early 2020 and we're all going through um, severe depression and dysphoria and dissociation. Um, especially me, that I explicitly talked about it on the episode. Um, the episode itself is called Bella with an Excellent Manicure. Um, it's also a very funny episode. Um, and one of the things that I remember happening is when I tweeted about it, when we put the episode out, the angry nerd girl was like, thanks, I wrote this game to be, ex- I explicitly wrote this game to be unplayable. Like, the expectation was to read the game and to think about it and uh, not to play it. And that is just like, does not seem like a thing that's on the table. <laughs> I mean, this uh, this sort of triad of uh uh being an rpg reader i don't know does that this is not a thing i had thought about before mm-hmm. i started going down this path so i'm wondering if i a made any sense or b made a, any salient points that you have any thoughts it. about <laughs> uh it definitely made sense to me for sure um it's interesting the coming back to this so first of all uh lyric games are cool as a concept but uh, so I am I am I have been staring this entire time you've been talking for this last little bit at this specific paragraph you were reading in which Seamus goes through and basically says like 
you know, here's a bunch of books where the setting was really helpful or there was some fiction to help me out. And it didn't actually hit for me what this paragraph is doing, right? Which is, this paragraph is saying, listen, you may be reading for enjoyment for systems or game mechanics or whatever, that's cool. But, But what really matters for true, pure enjoyment readers is that they just have a good time reading the book. And this is why, like, he he's going back to readability, layout's interesting, design is good, and there's, like, fiction and, like, rich world stuff. Um, and to your point, I just agree. Like, I think that this is just, uh, this is likely, it's really helpful to remember the OSR stuff, 100%. Because this is coming out of, I think, of a pretty specific way of thinking about and approaching games, which I say without value judgment of any sort, right? It's right. just, if, if you are interested in playing OSR games, you are interested in a pretty specific set of things. Uh, so I think you're right. Like, I think a lyric game would really be confusing <laughs> in this in, in this sort of setup, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's... Uh, I, I've already forgotten the name of the game you were just talking about. Can you say the name again? Erasure. Erasure. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> Uh, like, like, yeah, where would you put reading erasure? Like, what would a person reading erasure be? Would they be an enjoyment reader? I guess so. But you're definitely also a research reader in that you're at the very least, like, trying to think through and understand what the game is. And like, I would maybe even argue that you're, you're learning. It's, but what you're learning is that you likely can't play the game easily, right? Like... Which is which is all to say, <laughs> I do still think these are like three interesting sort of terms to use for thinking about different ways you might approach an RPG book. But I do agree that like the way it's framed, something like Erasure would would be confusing. Like I, I'm not sure where exactly it would fit. Uh, and I would I think I would go so far to say as as it doesn't, just straight up. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get like. Uh, it feels like the the only place that I I could see it fitting kind of easily or naturally would actually just end up being in the enjoyment section, but more like a fiction book, which seems wrong. Um, yeah. Right. Like. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. I. Yeah, that's that's all very interesting. And it's just more fuel on the fire of like, even if we disagree with this this blog post and various parts of it like it's just there's just so much here to react to in a really good and productive way yes um what's there's also that famous one word game jam or game uh oh yeah wiggle i think it's it's, is it called no it's, it's called something else but the only word in it is wiggle um oh okay uh let's see if i can't find this uh, we are but worms. Yes, yes. A one-word RPG, and like, yeah. Um, so there's uh, again to to agree with what you said, <laughs> VW. Um, this is not me hunting out edge cases to like blow up the big theory post. Um, no, yeah. This is me being very excited about this blog post that I think um, is within a particular context. Um, and uh, not, I mean, <laughs> that, 
<laughs> Fuck me, man. <laughs> of course, it's oh within a particular context. In the Apodos text, uh, there is there is no outside the text. There is there is nothing but context. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I, it, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I explicitly was trying not to reference Derrida this time. Um, no. it's always going to happen. Um, but, uh, but that that context and it's and especially when we say OSR, that means um, old school revival or old school renaissance. It's a it's a particular scene within role-playing games that um, is in some ways a reaction to third edition Dungeons and Dragons and has been sort of puttering around in that area since um, uh, that, that um, a lot of like is, is, is a genuine sort of scene I think within role-playing games that produces a lot of games that are um, incredibly character forward that try to hew closer to the like original uh, rules and the and sometimes the AD and D rules of Dungeons and Dragons, um, at least as a design ethos. So they're often much more interested in things like dungeon crawl and and player agency than um, like story games telling a telling a big story, um, being focused on the the cool move, the shared imagined space, the the um, the world as it were. Um, they just have different priorities um, and and different people, and this is uh, this is speaking in directly in conversation with a community that is much more interested in that sort of um, play at the very least um, and culture. Um, so, so yeah, I, me bringing in lyric games is to say that's that is more my place in in the role playing discourse, as it were, um, and. And it, it it is interesting how it kind of it doesn't blow up their argument, but it does it does complicate it for me in ways that that make me excited to think about as as we've been saying repeatedly here. Uh, that's that's the thing that's really cool about this uh, this post, I think, and this whole blog in general. Yeah, I, I would ag- I would agree largely with everything you just said. Like I, I I think it's a good I think it's good also to 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 point out that this isn't like you said this isn't about finding edge cases or gotchas this really is about using these ideas right like using these concepts and like trying to work with them and see where the limits are and see how we might want to change or whatever which again just very it's just very cool i'm i'm really glad that i'm really glad we read this did you want to you had said when you read through this <laughs> post that you were like oh if i was going to redo this i would basically recenter it on enjoyment did you have any more you wanted to share about about that that is um that is both true and false the actual um the actual you know uh i've already done it i've already done the derrida thing so the door is open um Mm -hmm. but the actual sort of the derrida door is open (laughs) uh insert aim door opening sound um do people call it aim or does everyone say aim these days i feel like everyone says aim these days Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it's both true and not true, eh? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the uh, the the uh, the red. <laughs> uh, what is uh, I'm I'm losing the term here, which is why I'm stumbling. Um, but the the reversal of the binary I would probably do is uh, 
it's not that enjoyment is the fundamental uh, aspect of reading um, as opposed to what we normally think of, as which is to say learning or for Seamus researching for some reason. I still don't really understand that claim, but that's fine. My, my, if I was writing this polemic, I think the thing I would say is that um, reading is the fundamental orientation one has towards role-playing games as opposed to playing. Um, and and being me, I think I haven't like s- structured this argument out yet entirely, but I would probably say it is more accurate to describe play as a type of reading than it is to um, just sort of sol- silo them off of each other. Yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree with that, uh, just implicitly, or like from the outset. Yeah, I would. I'm pretty broadly sympathetic to that claim, <laughs> even without reading anything. Um, yeah, I, I that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think that I yeah I think for me the thing I just keep coming back to is like uh, my version of this post would be very explicitly about sort of offering up different ways of thinking why one might read or what one might might do when reading. A, a RPG book. And I, I don't know, as, as you were talking through that, it suddenly hit me that I, I really do think that there's something to the fact that the first section of the, of this post is about readability. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something there that I'm grasping towards and will not be able to articulate clearly as a, as a coherent point. But um, in some ways, this is, this is a blog post that's also about RPG books themselves. Yes. Um, and maybe that's one of the things that I'm, I'm like, it's kind of rubbing me the wrong way, which is I came to this thinking really like a lot about the act of reading. And that's the thing I got excited about. Mm-hmm. And this ended up being a little more about what one does after reading and then sort of a corollary or correlated point of in order to serve all three of these ways of reading or like things you might do with the reading, uh, it is important to have a book that is sort of laid out and designed such that it helps these three approaches, which is a coherent statement. Like it's a coherent set of things. I think I just disagree with a bunch of them. Um, yeah. But I don't know that I had, I don't know that I had seen the whole post come together in my head until this moment. Uh, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, to say again, like that, this is part of that series, right? That, it makes sense that this is where they're coming from in that the previous argument was like that collecting is a legitimate aspect of the hobby. (laughs) You can collect PDFs. Um, you know, many, many, many people I know have, have had massive MP3 libraries at certain points in their lives. Even some, even, I even know some people who had flack libraries at certain points in their life. Um, I might be talking to one. I don't know that for a fact, but <laughs> um. I'm I'm currently mostly uh, putting all my eggs in the uh, Apple lossless in particular because it's slightly smaller than Flack, and from what I've read, it doesn't actually compress the sound, um, even though it's smaller. That's uh, it's AAC. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's Wave libraries all the way, baby. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, no, I lost my music library a long time ago, and I've never bothered to pick it back up because I hate music. I was I was just about to check how big my 
digital music repository is, but I forgot that it is on a very loud hard drive that I unplug when we record this podcast, so I can't see. Nice. Um, point being, you there is it is it is entirely possible to collect digital goods, but um, if you're if you're going to broadly talk about collecting, you are probably talking about physical items, um, and that is what Aaron does in the collecting thing. So they are already sort of in that lane before this article even gets thought about, right? So, yeah. you know, context. Um, I, I think that's probably, I think we're probably good. We did it. We, you, uh, the, the article came into shape in your head at the, at the hour 20 minute mark. And yeah, right at the end. <laughs> I finally, I finally understood the thing I've been reading. So this is great. Um, it's still an amorphous mess in my brain because uh, my brain is saying, write the thing about all RPGs actually, or playing RPGs being reading them, write the thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. But that should do it for this bit. Um, BW, hi. <laughs> hi. Hello. Uh, should we talk about what we're going to do next We episode? should. I think that would be fun. I have not clicked on this Please. no clicking none zero link. <laughs> Please click on it. Wow, this conflicting information. Uh, okay, 4-2-game-wfg. Ooh. I don't know anything about this. I've never okay. heard of this before. Yeah, so uh, we're going to read a game. Uh, it's called Waiting for Gygax, a boring <laughs> role-playing game, and it is by a person named Conrad Oust. Um, so I-, I can go into <laughs> slightly more detail next episode, but I will say... Uh, Conrad Oust is not, uh, I apologize, I probably am not pronouncing that last name correctly. Um, it's spelled A-U-S-T. Conrad has has not done a ton. Um, he doesn't seem to have too much of a, a, a huge, like, sort of online presence or whatever. I found a Twitter account. But um, he's made a couple games. Uh, but I found this one while looking for something else uh, on Itch.io. And it struck my eye for a number of reasons. One, it's called Waiting for Gygax. <laughs> A boring role-playing game. Uh, and that's just that's just a fun pitch. Yeah. Like, that's just fun to me. Listen, um, you give me a boring role-playing game any day of the fucking week. <laughs> exactly, right? It, so the entire PDF is nine pages. That includes uh, the first page, which is the cover, the second page, which is a table of contents, and it also includes about two pages of tables of various kinds. I just so saw very, the first random encounter not a very table. Long game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so it's not a very long game. It is it is very explicitly <laughs> going for humor, right? It is meant to be a pretty funny game. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I was struggling. I didn't really know exactly what to read um, in terms of games. Um, I have a bunch of other things, but, like, we just came off of Aegon, and, like, we're both, like, you know, behind the curtain or whatever. Like, we're both going to have, like, some time off, and we had to take some time off. And so I didn't want something huge. I wanted something kind of small. Uh, and I ran across this, and... I got through basically the first page and was like, okay, this is, this is fun. Um, so we'll see how this goes. It's pretty short, so it might be a shorter, ep- shorter episode. But um, I, I thought it would be fun to read. Um, coming off of the, the post we just read, um, because this has this, the sense of a game that is sort of not really expected to be played all that often. It's more really written as like, a sort of joke or like a bit or like a fun thought experiment. An exercise in what what role-playing games can and can't do, maybe even on some level. Yeah. 
Exactly, right? So like, I, I just thought, I thought it might be interesting for us to read something pretty different and something that is new for both of us. So I haven't even read the full book because uh, I just decided that that would be fun for us is we will yeah. both read the full book over the course of the next however long before we record 4.2. Um, but yeah, so that's Fuck what we're going to be reading in uh, 4.2. I, no, yeah, I had, I'm, in case it wasn't clear that the Waiting for Gygax is a Waiting for Godot reference. Um, I, I have not read anything out of this. I was just scrolling through, as I usually do when, when this happens. And I feel like every time I have done this, so maybe this is just a segment at this point. First thing that st- stood out to me, random encounter table on page seven. Uh, line one is a D20. It's got one through 20s. And line two is encounters. Uh, On a one on a d20, nothing happens. On a two on a d20, nothing happens. On a three on a d20, nothing happens. On a four on a d20, nothing happens. On a five on a d20, nothing happens. On a six on a d20, nothing happens. Etc. Etc. It's uh, fucking brilliant. I love it. I'm so excited. And it's not etc. etc. It is a literal yes, table yes. of one through twenty. Oh, it's just so good. I, so yeah, I so, was very. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it'll be fun. Uh, th- my, the last thing I will do is um, I will just read the the sort of like s- sentence pitch or two sentence pitch because uh, I just think it's a great thing to leave everybody with going into next episode. Uh, this game was inspired by the world's okayest role-playing game, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> the hit TV show Seinfeld, and the molasses-paced D&D soap opera Critical Role. It is dedicated <laughs> to every adventuring party that originally met in a tavern. That's very good. <laughs> it's very good. So I'm excited to. I'm excited for us to read it. I'm excited for us to talk about it. I think it'll be fun. So that's next episode. Yeah, and that means that this right here has been on the matter of systems, and we are um, we're done. Remember when, like, before we were recording, I was like, "This might be twenty minutes." You did say that. That's true. Anyway, bye. I did, I, I did not think it was going to be twenty minutes. But... Bye. Um, do do we want to tell people where to find us on the internet? Oh fuck. I mean, we don't have to. My, my whole bit was ruined. I, I my name is B. I'm one of your hosts. I am at B Gabriel. That's B like a honeybee. Gabriel like the music and E L like uh, isn't that like Superman's surname or something like that? Uh, I have no idea. Jor L or something like that. I don't. I don't know either. Uh, where can people find you, B W? Uh, so if you insist on finding me on the internet, uh, I am B W, and you can follow my very occasionally updated. Uh, Instagram account. Uh, it's bakery slash workshop. So that's Instagram.com slash bakery slash workshop. It's three words. They're all spelled out as full words, no spaces. Or you can go to bakery slash workshop.com. Again, three full world words, all spelled out, no spaces. I am absolutely going to leave in the part where you were like, we should do the plugs. And then immediately we're like, if you have to find me on the internet. Okay, that's on the matter of systems. Thanks, everybody. See you next episode. Bye.